Well, maybe some of you have seen this uh, coming up in the fall and saying January 2022, we're going to be starting this. Um, but I think this is a very appropriate uh, series that we're doing and something that speaks to all of us. Digitology. What does it mean to be an apprentice, a, apprentice of Jesus in the digital age? So I wanted to start this all uh, laying a bit of groundwork for us um, by understanding what we mean and what we're talking about with this digital age. Contrary to what my kids feel, and maybe some of yours as well, there was a time in our life and human history that we lived without the digital age. Um, and so I want to take a little step back in time. So there was a time for as long as people could remember that the only way that information uh, or entertainment was available was through newspaper or going out to somewhere like the theater district or uh, watching things, but everything was out. You had to go out to receive these things. Well, all of that changed in the 1930s, about 90 years ago now, um, when the radio became common in households. This was the first time um, that such a device, something entered into homes and people, people could have it um, massively transmitted into homes at the same time. This was huge. For the first time, technology uh, made it available to hear the outside world and families on a Saturday night would do just like this, or any night really, but Saturday nights when people didn't usually have to work at this time would huddle around for the latest news, for plays, and of course, hockey night in Canada. Well, this went on for about two decades when people would huddle around like this and hear their favorite things on the, on the radio until something took place in the 1950s. And this was the dawn of the television. The dawn of the television. Can you imagine these poor families all having to huddle around such a small screen <laughs> looking at this? And yet, it was revolutionizing for everyone. Yes, it's true, the world was monochrome. I think when my kids were young, they thought the whole world at that time was black and white. You know, you just, when was color invented, Dad? Um, but at least one could start to see things, even if it wasn't in great quality compared to what we have today. But you could see things with your eyes instead of just hear things with your ears. Technology was changing and changing quickly. And most people were excited about it. But there were some who were resistant to it. You see, there was a time, let's talk about the music industry, there was a time when songs were just songs that you could listen to. But there was a time that changed when songs became something you watched as well. The dawn and the birth of videos. Well, there was a, a play, something that began called MTV. Um, some of you are like, yes, I remember. And some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm just trying to give us a little scope of a timeline of how we have become digital. So MTV began... began the first video that came out ever was a movie called, uh, sorry, a video called Video Killed the Radio Star. Um, this spoke against the technology that made life more complex and less innocent. More complex and less innocent. I think this has a lot of prophetic messaging even for us today. Things have changed, maybe to become more uh, entertaining, but also more complex and less innocent. Well, MTV was around, and everyone knew that the world was changing forever. They just had no idea how fast the world was changing. Well, I remember in grade 12, in this very strange, and yet I didn't realize how momentous of a moment it was, when I was at my friend's house, and he got something called the internet. 
there was a bunch of technicians in the house setting this up, and he had his lap or laptop. I don't think that was existing then, but uh, he had his computer out, and I was remembering watching it get hooked up. And then all of a sudden, for this first time, they did the test, and what would be become kind of an iconic sound. We heard it a little bit at the beginning. Quick hands up, Zinder, remember that wonderful, awful sound? Yes, I see a lot of amens, amens and amens. See, it was amazing because you could connect to the outside world. It was incredible, and you, it was a pathway and a gateway to all of the stuff that opened up. The problem was that it was such terrible technology. I think it was 14.4 uh, was the first modem that came out. You were connected for all of five minutes. Half of that was actually watching a web page load up. You remember that? It's like slowly, slowly, yes! And then as you're on there, all of a sudden it cuts out, and it's because someone picked up the phone. Do you remember that too? And you're like, Mom! She's like, sorry! You know, it's like, oh, man. All right, I'm going to connect again. And then you hear the sound all over the, all over the place. It's like, oh, so frustrating. Well, technology was introduced, and then it began to increase. The 14.4 modem became 28.8, which became 56.6. And then all of a sudden from then and then, and it just increased in pace like crazy. So, again, technology has increased, but at a pace that no one ever thought possible. I want to just think about music for a moment. Um, it was 25 years ago that Capital Music released the first digital song in music history. Only, and I'll say this, only 25 years ago. This led to the very first device. So before then, you had your 8-track, right? Some of you are 8-track, yes, you know. Um, some of you are then cassettes. And you remember the cassettes that would play until they got a little bit warped or you played them too much and it was like, when you're like, oh man, I've got to get a new one now because the tape is stretched a little bit. But uh, they went to cassette and then it went to CD, CDs, and then the revolutionizing um, market, or sorry, uh, product came on the market called the iPod. Say hello to iPod, which had an incredible 1,000 songs in your pocket. At any moment, all you had to do was just whirl that thing around and you could find your favorite song um, that was on there. And all you had to do is what you could add and subtract, put it in the computer, and away you go again. Well, this changed everything. And our world became very quickly digital. For one, our pictures became digital. Digital cameras um, became mainstream. Some, some of us poor souls, you remember the cameras that you took uh, rolls on with like 24 or 32 pictures on there. And uh, as you brought it in, it took three to five days to get developed. And then when it came back, probably only like three or four were actually good so that someone wasn't like blurry or like you missed the shot or something like that. And so you spent like a lot of money for a very little outcome. Well, that changed everything because pictures became digital. Everything else seemed to become digital as well. Books became digital. Movies, and like I mentioned, music became digital. And so did so many other things. Art, our currency, video games, a type of me any types of meetings that we can have, shopping, um, messaging, our watches, doing taxes, advertising, our photos and videos, and all of that needed a place to store them, whether it be iCloud, Google Photo, Dropbox, OneDrive, etc. Everything has become rapidly digital. To show you the speed at which we're moving, let me just talk about one example, and that's our phones. It's low-hanging fruit. It's easy. But today, the phone that we have, the average iPhone, 
um, is way, and I found this out just a couple months ago, is way, way more powerful than the computer that sent the, the first ship to the moon. The thing that we hold in our hands is way more powerful than all of that technology and all of that science that took to get uh, the rocket ship to the moon. What about the apps on our phones? All of us have at least a few apps. That's mostly how our phones run. Apple released the App Store, I don't know if you know this, but the app released the App Store in July of 2008, not even 14 years ago, and they released it with 500 apps. 500 apps. Do you know the most popular one, by the way? Do you have any, any guesses the most popular one? And ta-da! The most popular one, of course, Angry Birds. Angry Birds, with all of the different ones that came out of that. Uh, any Angry Bird fans here? <laughs> they came a movie, yes. Angry Birds is uh, just a great time waster, right? It's awesome. So get this, in regards to apps. According to statistica.ca, there are 4.4 million apps available on the App Store. They started with 500. There are 4.4 million apps available today with 30,000 new ones coming online every single month. And the revenue generated from all of these apps is expected to hit $1 trillion by 2023. $1 trillion. Now, as we think about that, as we think about everything becoming digital and our world becoming digital, and at the speed at which it is, don't you just feel like we just need to take a deep breath? Because everything moves so fast. You see, all of these stats and everything that is presented to us isn't meant to overwhelm us this morning. Because we still, some of us, remember at a time when we didn't have the digital age. And yes, we lived in that time at some point. But now that we're in it, it's not meant to overwhelm us. It's just meant to state a fact that digitization is part of our world. It is now the water we swim in. And if we wanted to, we would be very, very, very hard to get away from it. Well, I think generally, generally, probably both parents and the church are ones that consider digitization and are generalized to think of it as bad. <laughs> um, my kids, I think, they think that I hate it all, and I don't. Um, but there's a lot of good things, and I want to just tell you guys, if my kids, of anything, tell you a little bit about the positives of what the digital age has brought about. For, number, for one, we can chat with family members through whatever means we want, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, anything like that. We know it's not the same as in person, right? We know it's not the same as being physically face-to-face and touching someone. But gosh, isn't it a close second? Especially when we think of people who are far away from us. I mean, my family, Michelle and I both have a family that are like a thousand kilometers away, and they can be just brought right up close. People that are around the world, just immediately we can see them. And it's all because of technology. See, we as a church can also stay in touch with uh, families that are missionaries around the world far easier than we ever could before when we put something in the mail and send it off and hope that it gets there. We can now know exactly what's going on. Um, for instance, there's a family that we love who we've, we've seen uh, sent off to Malawi, the Brink family. Um, we love them, and uh, this is a recent picture from Christmas. But just so we know, as of, two, I think it was two days ago or yesterday, Silas, the one on the far right, he turned 12. See, none of us would never know this, But Silas just turned 12 years old, and we can know this instantly, so we can stay connected to them and they to us, and it tightens the relationships that we have, not only with them, but with our family and friends. During the pandemic, many of us were able to keep working, even though we weren't able to go to our offices. Why? 
It's because we live in the digital age. We can have meetings, we can do programs, we can share documents. All of this is thanks to the digital age. We have access now to hundreds of thousands of songs by a few clicks on apps like Spotify or iTunes. Think about this. We have access at our, on our fingertips to literally any song we want. I am an 80s fan, like, through and through, as far as music. It was the best decade of music ever. Let's just admit that right now. But if I want to go down a little trip down memory lane and listen to some 80s or some good country that is, like, really awesome, Garth Brooks fans, yes, um, literally in seven seconds or less, I can have that on my phone and be listening to it. It's incredible the pathway that the digital age has given us that we can listen to anything. Um, churches used live stream during the pandemic to be able to help provide a space for community that we've all maybe felt more tethered together and connected because of this rather than just being dispersed and, and, and having to drive to people's homes. We share the joy of pictures of critical moments in life um, instantly with the world, usually through social media, but maybe a newborn baby, the picture of the first day at school. You know it's the first day of school when you've got friends on Facebook, right? Because you see all of these pictures and they hold the signs up, grade one, grade two, grade 12, kindergarten, whatever it might be. All of that, we get to enjoy. I don't think that's a waste. We get to enjoy what people are going through in life. Um, global news, um, I don't mean global news, but just global news, can arrive within seconds. No longer do we have to wait for news to come trickling out, you know, by, by transmission of whatever way and seen on the newspapers that people had to do before, but it's like we can actually watch things in real time. I remember Operation Desert Storm. Um, this was kind of the first time that changed me as far as the access to news because we were literally watching a war unfold in real time. And it's phenomenal. All of this is because of the digital age. And of course, what else has the digital age brought us? It's brought us memes. And memes, memes, memes are the way that we communicate lots. I don't know if you guys feel like this. <laughs> I have so felt like that sometimes. Tom Hanks, thank you for exactly expressing how some of us feel over the pandemic. But let us understand as we continue to lay the groundwork for the digital age and this digitology series, not all of the digital age has been beneficial. Not all of it has. As I talked about before, there is an add of complexity and a loss of innocence with, with videos for music and songs. But I think the digital age has brought with it its own loss of innocence and complexity as well. For one, our digital age, in whatever form we use it, its overusage and dependence has caused damage. Some of it that we know of and some of it that we don't know of. Science has regularly come up with studies that say that, that using, the, using all sorts of digitization has actually rewired some of our brains. I think one of, the, one of the things that's also damaging is the fact that we've lost the ability to wait. To wait. Notice this next time if you haven't, and maybe you're part of this. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's an observation. If we're in line at Starbucks or eating a meal alone, we don't just sit and look out long anymore. What do we do? I was waiting literally six minutes at the pharmacy at Savon last week, and I pulled my phone out. And I was looking at stuff, and I think by the fifth minute, I was complaining to Michelle of how long I had to wait. This was horrible. You know, like, this is an injustice, and I've got to look at my phone more. But we don't understand how to actually wait and look around. We don't, I don't think we could have imagined, even to a, long, to a longer degree, the polarization, the escapism, the addiction, 
the bullying and the impact on mental health um, that has come about far more than we ever would have dreamed of with the dawn of digitization. So with that groundwork laid, um, as we look into scripture, here's the big question. What does all of this have to do with faith? What does all of this have to do with God, with scripture, and with living our lives out as apprentices to Jesus? Well, as we take a deep dive into understanding this, not only today, but the next three weeks, we have to understand that Jesus, right in the end of, of the book of Matthew, he says, I am going to heaven very soon, but I want to let you know I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. The very end of the age, whatever may come, I am with you. And so we have to understand that Jesus is with us in our digital culture, in the here and now, and the call has never stopped to follow him. It hasn't changed. So I think what we can ask is, or we're tempted to ask, is thinking about our faith and the digital age. At the end of the day, is everything to do digital, is it good or is it bad? Is it something good that we can have in our lives or is it bad that we need to throw it all away? And here's what I want to say this morning is that I think that's the wrong way to approach digital living. It's the wrong way to approach it and the wrong question to ask. Is it simply good or bad? For the next four weeks, I hope that we can move into a conversation away from either good or bad and that at the end of the four weeks, we're going to come up with one answer for all of us to live by. Move away from that type of question and move into a discussion on wisdom. Wisdom. So what does this mean? See, I think a lot of conversations that we have are centered on law. A lot of issues that we deal with in our culture and society today have to do with the categories of right and wrong, good or bad. A question like, should I cheat on my tests or my taxes or should I punch Corey Allstead in the face today? Um, those are, well, maybe the last one, okay. But those, see, those are questions of law. Um, those are questions of law, right or wrong. I think we know that there's an answer intrinsically to those things. But there are a whole host of issues and questions that we are asking today that we cannot answer with bad or good, yes or no, black or white. We have to approach them with wisdom. And I think that we need a proper response in how we live as people who are trying to apprentice our lives to the life of Jesus. So we must ask, what is the best way to live with the tools at hand in a complex world? So here's what I want to propose as we begin here. All of our screens, phones, social media, streaming devices, video games, all of these things are not good or bad in and of themselves, but rather they are tools. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do I use this tool to grow in my walk with Jesus? How do I use this tool to see the world as Jesus would see it and respond and live accordingly? These are wisdom questions, not just simple yes or no questions. Let's just take Facebook, for example, because, again, it's something that I think most of us know and most of us are on. So here's a question that is a wisdom question. See, is Facebook good or bad is a uh, law question. But is Facebook a good tool is a wisdom question. Is Facebook an opportunity for me to connect with family and friends in a healthy way? 
Is it a healthy way for, is it an opportunity for me to stay connected with the people around me that I normally wouldn't do otherwise? Or am I using Facebook uh, beyond its proper place to scroll endlessly, compare my life with others, taking a steady diet of polarizing headlines, and simply just pictures of what people had for dinner? See, there's a problem when a digital device leaves its intended purpose and becomes the answer to everything. And we need to use wisdom in this. There is no one way for all of us, but I think when we think about this individually, we have to understand this. Do we use it for everything? Is it my go-to place simply when I'm sad or bored and feeling lonely? Is it my place to go when I need to decompress? Or is it that thing that I just need to soothe my problems and stay connected because there's a fear of missing out? Is it being used properly as an apprentice of Jesus? I want us to look into Mark chapter 10 this morning. We are going to look into Scripture because I think Scripture talks about digitology, uh, maybe in a way that we wouldn't think about, but I want to talk about this area of wisdom. This is Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning at verse 17. I want us to take a look at this story together. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, and honor your father and mother. Notice all of these law questions, good, bad, yes, no. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. So notice in here, right away, this man has a hunger. He has a hunger for eternal life. Not just moral living in this life right now, but he wants eternal life. And he comes to the good master, the good teacher, he calls him, and asks him, what must he do? Jesus looks at him, and he sees the spiritual hunger. But you see, Jesus sees something we don't. Jesus is looking at him through different eyes. See, according to the young man, he's kept every commandment fully, which is quite bold for him to say, isn't it? I don't know if you walk around and be like, uh, how's your week been? You're like, great, I've kept every one of the Ten Commandments to a T. Good for you, that's fantastic. Might be lying, but that's okay. This man, though, when you think about it, he's saying to Jesus quite boldly, I've followed everything, and whether he's you know, sincere or, or proud, I don't know what his heart is, but that's what, he's, that's what we're told. But Jesus knows this isn't true. Why? Because the first commandment God gave to Israel at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus is this. You shall have no other gods before me. You see, Jesus knows this man's heart. He knows that he's wealthy and he shows it. And Jesus knows that money has become this young man's God. Money has gripped this young man's heart in a way that this is the only way he sees the world. is through finances. You see, if he really wanted life, if he wanted eternal life and the best life that God wants for him, there's something that he needs to let go, and that's money. And Jesus knows this. In verse 21, it says here, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Notice the posture that Jesus approaches him with. Jesus is not crossing his arms. Jesus is not looking judgmentally on him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, 
and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, Jesus looked at him with love because he wanted him to have the best life. Jesus says in John 10, I have come to give life and give it to the full. Not to the three quarters, not to the half, not to the barely getting by. I've come to give it to the full. But you must follow me. You must understand that I am at the center, not you. And he tells this man very clearly, get rid of your money. Not because money is bad, but because you've taken money, which is a tool, and made it a God in your life. Jesus is asking him to exercise wisdom. And the man says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Jesus calls him to lay the tool down, to give it away, to come and find life. See, this is a story for us in our digital age. And this is not a story that is talking at all for us about money. We don't all need to go and get rid of our money and follow Jesus and we'll have eternal life. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, take a look at the tools you have in your life. Take an inventory of these things and exercise wisdom on them. Are they helping you grow as we follow Jesus? Or are they acting as a roadblock in our lives um, to follow Jesus fully? See, our digital devices and our digital age can either act as a pathway to faith and increase our apprenticing to Jesus, or it can act as a roadblock. But we must use our own wisdom to its full. And so we have to ask ourselves questions like this. How do we feel when we use devices? Are they simply used for escapism? Do we get excited because we can connect relationally? Or do we feel anxiety when we scroll through feeds? Do we compare ourselves with others constantly? What is Jesus calling us to in regards to our own use of devices? It's just so much easier, wouldn't it be, if I just put up here and just said, uh, no more than 20 minutes a day on Facebook and on your phones, no more than two hours, and uh, kind of give a list, because that's law, right? It's just, it's easy, and we go, yes, done, check, check, check. I can walk out of here with my head held a little higher because I can follow these things. It becomes way more nebulous when I ask us to exercise wisdom. When Jesus says, use the tools in your life to exercise wisdom, 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 because that is above all. And I'm calling you to follow me. And again, this doesn't mean get rid of your digital devices and come follow me and, and you'll have eternal life. Not at all. But we must exercise wisdom. I think for some of us, this means small things. Maybe as we look at it and assess and take inventory of our tools, maybe it simply means this. There's an app on my phone that I know. It's my go-to app, and it is hindering my walk with Jesus today. I know this. So what is the best thing to do? It's just to delete it. Apps can come and go easily on our phone. So if I get rid of this, it's going to help me. Maybe I'll watch Netflix still, and that's okay, but maybe I'll have a time limit on that so that I don't accidentally find myself binge-watching three series and can then come up for error. Or maybe it's a certain amount of time playing video games. Again, wisdom tells us none of these things are bad in and of themselves, but they're tools, but I need to exercise wisdom to have these things in my life. How would our weeks look different if we exercise wisdom on our digital usage. I know for myself, um, what has become commonplace, and I'm trying to work on this, 
um, is as I go to bed, I just have my phone for a few minutes and just scroll, uh, go to CBC News. It's just a great app. Um, and as I've been reading lately, I realized this. I'm like, you read about the fact that you know, Russia's on the uh, verge of, of invading Ukraine. You realize that housing prices have gone up through the roof, and interest rates are probably going to be rising four times in 2022. That's probably great welcome news if you're a homeowner and you didn't know that this year. That's great. On a variable mortgage. Perfect. Thank you, Jeff. I go away just sad now. Um, you know, this whole thing called Omicron has affected pretty well 99% of the whole world. You know, it's, uh, we're living in a different age and all of this stuff. And I read through these things, and then I wonder why I turn that off and kind of go to bed and I'm twitching a little bit. You know, it's, it's, um, it's stuff that I, I feed myself. Now, you know, I'm not necessarily one to press the calm app and like just feel like I'm like just floating before I go to bed. Not at all. I like to just kind of just check on things. But then I might be doing that and I get an email. Someone says to me, you know, another parent from our hockey team says there's a bit of a conflict. I need to talk to you tomorrow. And all these things just make me more anxious before I go to sleep. Or the first thing I do in the morning before I even maybe roll out of bed is I grab my phone, check Facebook, and all of a sudden, you know, your mind is starting to fill up and go in a certain way even before I've done anything in the day. So does this mean I get rid of these things? No. I think for me to exercise wisdom means to say I need to discern when I'm on there and when I'm not. And I think that's what we all need to do. Maybe for some of us, these are bigger things, and maybe these are issues of addiction that, that only we will know. But maybe leaving social media for a season or for good is the best thing for us. Um, there's a season right before uh, Easter called Lent where people give things up. And increasingly, um, for 40 days before Easter, um, that's what people choose to give up is either Facebook or social media. And they, I've had, never had someone tell me, Jeff, I regret doing that. It was a bad decision. Never again. It's because it reorientates us, especially when we understand our faith. All of this, to say this, I think when it comes to the digital age that we live in and our usage in it, we can have one of two um, paradigms and, and polar opposites. We can either be too easy on ourselves or too hard on ourselves. In other words, this. Sometimes we're too easy on ourselves when we take Scripture simply as um, a suggestion. When Jesus says, I want to be center of your life and I want you to follow me, Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. But to be honest, this sermon series and uh, anything that you're saying, Jesus, isn't going to change my habits. It's only a suggestion that I'm going to take in. But being too light on ourselves says, you know what? Nothing's going to change. And if Jesus can find his way in on the spots in the margin that I have, then great. But I'm not going to change the way I'm doing things. It's just going to keep on going. We place ourselves in front of Scripture and let Scripture just be a, a suggestion to us. But on the end of the day, sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. Or we think 20 minutes uh, on Facebook has been like the worst thing in the world. Or, or I need to get rid of my phone. Or Jeff, if we're truly going to do this, I need, you know, let's take all of our phones and go into the parking lot here after the service and have a burning party. That's really the answer, isn't it? It's a very expensive burning party, probably. But man, I just can never do this apprenticing to Jesus thing. It's like, no. Let's take the things that we live in, the tools that we have, and let's exercise wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit, what is the best way forward for me? See, Jesus never asks us just to tweak things in our lives. 
he constantly calls us to radically transform our lives to apprentice our lives to him. And I'm not going to be up here telling you this is exactly what you need to do. I think that's the job of the Holy Spirit to talk to us. Because we already know, and maybe today it's already exposed some of these things of going, yeah, yeah, I, I need to change this way. Or I need to have a conversation with someone about the things that I'm doing on, online, or whatever it might be. But to engage well with wisdom in this digital age is hugely important. And Jesus wants to remind us that he is in control, that he loves us outlandishly, that the digital age is part of what we now live in, and it can be used for so much good if we exercise wisdom in apprenticing to him. Let's pray.